So Goliath must fall. And Louis, we, we stole the title from Louis Giglio's book called Goliath Must Fall because that's how creative we are. And he said that he worked a lot on the title and which one, uh, which title they came to. And the, and the word in the middle was what, the one that he said they, they really zeroed in on and the idea that Goliath must fall in our lives. That the giants in our lives and the challenges and the addictions that we have that those have to come down, that God wants those to come down in our life so that we can live life to the full. And that's what God wants for you. Did you know that, that God wants you to live life to the full? How awesome is that? God wants that for you. He wants you to experience the best life possible. And for that to take place, we all have to face the giants that tend to steal life from us, to kill our lives, to destroy the very things that God wants to bring into our lives. And so. Uh, we all face Goliath. Sometimes Goliaths are, are big issues and challenges and addictions, and other times they're small. And there are times that no one else knows what we're struggling with. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. There are times no one else knows that there's a giant in our life staring us down who is controlling and destroying our lives. But in the darkness and in the quiet corners of our lives, that giant is taunting us. And so what we decided is to take this old story from the Old Testament, the story that's familiar to so many of us, and dig in a little bit and walk through it and walk around it and get some different angles of the story so that we might um, come to understand how God wants to see the giants in our lives fall just like Goliath fell in front of the Israelites. And I want us to remember this. I'm probably going to repeat this every week so you'll get tired of this, but the truth is Uh, Defeating the Goliath in our lives, in your life and in my life, is not about self-help. And a lot of our world is about self-help, how we can make our lives better. If we strategize and we organize and uh, we're able to strengthen ourselves to do a certain thing, and and I want you to understand that the, the giants in our lives, while there is a part that we play, don't get me wrong, It's not just sitting back and praying and everything magically just gets better. That's not what the Christian life is about. Uh, But it's not about self-help. It's about cooperating with the very spirit, the God of the universe, who holds all control and authority. And making no mistake that this God is more powerful than whatever it is that we face in our daily lives. Now that is not taking away from the addictions, the challenges, the sins, the hangups, the shortcomings that we have because they are powerful. Addiction is a real thing. Addiction drove my grandfather to take his life. And many of you have told me that you have similar stories in your background of people who were overcome with some giant to the point that they wanted to take their very life. And I want us to understand that God is more powerful. Come on, church. God is more powerful than whatever it is that we're facing. And again, that does not take away from the reality of what it is we're facing because addiction has a strong hold on us at times. Um, Judah Smith, who's a pastor up in, in the Northwest, um, He says this, and I love this, Um, freedom starts with honesty, and that's where we're gonna start today. We're gonna start with honesty. Freedom starts with honesty. 
we aren't doing ourselves any favor by defining ourselves as good and others as bad. Right? And this is the world that we live in right now. It's easy to define ourselves as good and give ourselves all kinds of grace and then hold others uh, to standards that we ourselves don't want to be held to. Ooh, I'm not going to say that again. Just hopefully that sunk in. Um, But freedom starts with honesty. And he says this, let's just agree that we all need help. Can we do that? If you need help today, just slip your hand up. No, it's all of you. This isn't a trick question. Like, we all need help. All of us. None of us is perfect. None of us has it all together. We all need help. And we're all in this game of life together. And it's difficult to get there. It's easy to define others as bad and ourselves as good, to give ourselves grace. But honesty is where freedom begins. Brutal honesty. And there's some humility in that. So I want to walk around just this little piece of the story. Uh, I, I, I almost went there last week, but I, I had to uh, practice some self-control. Sometimes I like to preach four sermons in one. But I, I started down this path, and I didn't go all the way there. So then Saul gave David his own armor. Do you remember this part of the story? So David's begging to go face uh, Goliath, and it's ridiculous because he's a little shepherd boy. And he has no training on the battlefield. Now, he has training as a shepherd protecting the sheep, but he has no training for the war that they're facing or the battle that they're facing. And you have the Philistines on one uh, side of, of the valley, and you've got the Israelites on the other side, and you've got Goliath just taunting them. Send one person, and we'll fight. And whoever wins will rule the others. And so the Israelites are fearful. They're shaking they're, they're looking at this giant, and they're saying, we've got nothing. And David comes up. Um, he's a charcuterie chef. He brings some cheese and bread to the table for his brothers. That's why he was there. He, he, seriously, it says that in the Bible, that he came with bread and cheese from his dad for the brothers that were at the battle. He wasn't even at the battle. His dad didn't even believe he should be at the battle. His mom didn't even believe in him. Come on. David, he was like bringing cheese to the battlefield, and... He's like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's Goliath. He's taunting us. And he's like, well, I'll fight him. Like, just go home. <laughs> Take your fake Velveeta and go home. You know what I mean? Like, just go. And, and finally, he decides to, um, he decides to, to go to the, the king, Saul, who finally gives in. Says, so Saul gives David his armor, bronze helmet, a coat of mail, and David put it all on, and this isn't mail like you get, it's not like he didn't put paper on, it's like, you guys get it, yeah. Like, he put it on, he took a couple steps because he wasn't used to it, and he's like, I can't go in these, and finally he just took them off. I mean, imagine, if you will, like this battle, this real battle that's about to take place, and Saul's trying to protect this little kid, and he gives him his, his armor, but sometimes the armor other people use is not the armor God wants for us to enter into our battle with our Goliath. And for some of us, the reason we're still facing a giant in our life is because we're trying to live someone else's story that might have worked. But God has something different, and we have to be honest about the very battle that we're fighting before God will give us victory. 
He says, I can't go in these. And he took them off. And he had a slingshot and apparently like a stick. And he went and picked up five smooth stones. And that's all he needed for the battle. And why was that all that he needed for the battle? Because his trust was in the strength of God, not in the strength of what he was carrying in the battle. Let me say that again. His trust, his faith was in the strength of the creator of the universe, not in the strength of what he could wear, the armor and the sword that he would carry into that battle. And I want us to do something, and I want us to think of this. Uh, hopefully, this will get into your mind, and so you've got to play along with me here for just a second. Hopefully, this will get into your mind, and you can walk this out during the week. Um, I want you to hold up your strong hand, so your, the hand that you use for most of everything that you do. So just hold it up high. Um, let me see if i got any. Oh, i got a couple lefties. I see a couple lefties in the room. So they say about 90% of people are, are right-handed, they say the smartest of us are right-handed. And <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, and then uh, about 10% are, are left-handed. Um, so your strong arm, your right arm. Uh, Jerry, who was over here on the edge today, um, her son is a lefty reliever, and he can throw like a 97, 98 mile per hour fastball with his left hand. If I threw with my left hand, no telling, number one, where it's going to go. And it, I can guarantee you it's not going 90 miles an hour. It's going like 10. That's it. So you got your strong hand. I want you to think about your strong hand and the things that you do this week as a picture of the strength and the gifts that God has given you. And, and I want you to hear this. God has given every single person in this room and in this world strengths and abilities and gifts. You have gifts given by God. They're strengths, and you should use them for his good and for the good of the world. That's your strong hand. Now I want you to hold up your weak hand. Yeah, there's the lefties. The weak hand. Now, for just a second, I want you to put that weak hand in your pocket. Just slide it in your pocket, if you have one. If not, put it behind your back. Chew on it. Do something with that weak hand. Now, I want you to try to tie your shoe with just your strong hand. Oh, if you have shoelaces, yeah. Velcro. That's not fair. Cheaters. You guys are cheaters that come in this church. It's difficult. Maybe you could get to it eventually with your strong hand, but, you know, your weak hand, you like to ignore your weak hand, but you have a weak hand. You have a weak hand. I have a weak hand. Hold your weak hand up, that left hand. Weak hand. And there's this, there's this truth that Paul talks about in Scripture that seems crazy. And here's what, here's what Paul writes He's talking about this weakness he has, and he never defines exactly what it is. There's scholars who, who like to debate about what it is. See, your weak hand is so weak, most of you have already put it back down. That's unbelievable. <laughs> he's talking about this weakness that he has in, in, in life and how he's begged God to take away the weakness because he doesn't want to deal with it. And here's what he says, my grace 
This is Jesus talking. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And then Paul writes, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now this makes no sense, does it? It makes no sense. Like in in our minds, like for us to reason, this makes no sense. For when I am weak, I am strong. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? And why would he boast about his weakness? Now, just a little bit of context real quick. Paul was writing this letter to this church, the uh, Corinthian church, where they had a bunch of people coming in, uh, teachers who were coming in boasting about special revelation or dreams that they had had from God and that God was giving them these special, so they were boasting that I've seen this thing and I've seen like God has given me this powerful view of all these things and it's miraculous and so I'm boasting about all the strength that I have that God has given me. And what Paul is doing here is he's challenging them to think about their strength not being in their own self and their own strength or something that they have in their minds but their strength is actually found in their humility and in their weakness because it's there that God's strength can be made complete. Does that make sense? Are you with me? It makes no human sense when it comes to our reasoning. If, you're gonna, if I asked you, do you want to use your strong hand or your weak hand, you're going to say most of the time your strong hand. Your strong hand is what you want to use. And Paul's saying, but there's beauty in acknowledging the weakness so that only God will get the glory when Goliath falls. Let me say that again. Paul's saying there's, there's beauty in acknowledging our weakness because when we acknowledge our weakness, then God can get the glory when Goliath falls. Look, think about David and Goliath, the story David and Goliath. David, I mean, I, a lot of times we're like, David gets all the glory because, I mean, he's this little guy that threw the sling, you know, he had the slingshot, threw the rock and whatever. It wasn't David, it was God that brought that giant down. It was God who brought that giant down. And whatever it is you're facing, the weakness that you have in life, when you are honest and humble about your weakness, it gives God the space for his strength to rise up. And then he gets the glory. He gets the focus, not us. Um, Louis says, whenever a problem is concealed, it finds power in darkness. Whenever a problem, a sin, a habit, a struggle, whenever it's concealed, it finds power in the darkness. And I think all of us would agree to that. That when things in our lives remain hidden, there's a power to them. There's people in this world who have been, um, once something in their life has been identified and it's very painful out in the public. And a lot of people would say, but that was God's greatest gift to me because that thing that was hidden in my life held so much power over me. And when it came to the light, it, it opened up. 
But when it's confessed, when we confess it, that problem loses its power in our life and it loses its hold in our life. It's like, have you ever, um, have you ever done work in a bathroom to remodel it? And, and you get around the uh, bathtub or the shower and you're hoping it's not there. You kind of pry some of that off and you pull it back and you just kind of peek and if you, see, if you see it, what am I talking about? Mold. Where does mold grow in the dark? Just a little wetness, a little dark. Mold will do all kinds of damage to your house, won't it? Yeah. That's how sin is. John, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we claim, if any of us claim that there's nothing in our lives, there's no giant, there's no sin, there's no challenges, we're only fooling ourselves. But if we confess, listen to this, if we confess, if we're honest and humble about the things that have a hold on our lives, God is faithful and just to hold us accountable and punish us. That's what it says. Oh wait, that's a different verse. He is faithful and just. You would think it would say he's just. He is just when he holds us accountable and punishes us. That's what it should say. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Is that not powerful? Come on, church. Listen, if, if we're honest, if, if, if we're humble, if we open up, if we confess, we don't have a God who's like us as parents, who makes our kids, we, we've got to give them lessons to learn. Like we've got to hold them accountable for every, and we, we have a God who is faithful and, and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness or unrighteousness is another way that it says that for the things that are in our lives. Listen to what James says. God gives grace generously. God opposes the proud. And listen, I'm telling you, pride, pride will destroy us. Pride destroys us. Um, I won't preach another sermon right now, but in, in, in marriage, pride will eat away at your marriage. It will. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the evil one, and the evil one will flee. Lean into God. Come close to God, and he'll come close to you. So a couple definitions, and um, I'm promise, I promise you I'm getting, I'm gonna land the plane. You're like, we're going, around. this is a long way around the idea about David not wearing the armor. But do, do you see the connection though? Like he had to be honest about his weakness and he couldn't carry in someone else's, like he, he had to be truthful to who he was and his own weakness. So confession and, and, and repentance. Confession is honest admission of sin and brokenness. So it's going to God and just being honest. Like, God, this is, what I, this is what's within me. This is what I'm struggling with. And in a few minutes, um, we're gonna sing a couple songs. We've got a little bit of an extended worship time and you can go back and use that prayer wall as a place of confession. Maybe just write out 
Now, you don't have to do that on paper or with anyone else. You know, in fact, one of the challenges, if, if you go back and do a historical look at some of the abuses of power in uh, religious structures, one of those is the idea of confession having to go through another person and in reality, all that's been taken away for us. That's good news, that you have direct access to God the Father. Isn't that awesome? And you can go right to God, and God hears you, and when you go to God, he comes close to you. He, he, comes, he comes near. That's awesome. Confession is just being honest with God, with what he already knows. That's, that's what's crazy to me, is it's so hard for us to be honest, but God already knows. Repentance is both regret for that whatever it is that's in your life and a deliberate redirection for the future. Repentance, which is what Jesus calls us to, is being honest and humble about what it is that we're, we've got wrapped up in our lives, but also making a deliberate redirection of our lives to go in a different direction. Um, one of the most powerful examples I can give of this, and I'm gonna use this example, but you could carry it out in so many different ways, is, is one that has so many in our country and in our world gripped, and that's pornography. And it's easy to think about pornography in other, you know, other people or other things, but for those who struggle with it, we understand there's this, like things in the darkness hold incredible power in our lives, right? And there's this, this idea that, you know, I'm just, I can confess it as much as I do it. And what Jesus calls us to is repentance, which is not just confessing, but also in, in cooperating with the Spirit to go in a new direction. Now, pornography addiction is one thing, but there's addiction to all kinds of things. And some of those addictions even look like healthy things. Did you know you could be addicted to health? And it can wreck your life? Did you know that? It can be incredibly unhealthy to be addicted to health. That makes no sense, but it's true. Like you can be locked into something, you can be addicted to something that seems like on the surface like it's healthy. Whatever it is you're facing, there's no sin, as Craig Rochelle uh, often says, there's no sin that's too great for God's grace. Did you know that? There's no sin that's too great for his grace in your life. Whatever it is, whatever giant is taunting you, there is no sin that is too great for God's grace, and there's no habit that's too big for his healing. You have habits in your life that have gotten off track and you just keep going back. There's no habit too big for God's healing and there's no label that's too strong for his love. And if you miss everything else today, don't miss that. There's no sin too great for his grace. There's no habit too big for his healing and there's no label that's too strong for his love to reach. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When you're honest, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. So here's the steps. Um, I've, I'm gonna do this the next few weeks and I asked for last week for those who are a part of 12 steps and the steps are very specific. I've 
remixed them. Let's just say this is a remix. Taylor Swift does remixes. This is Matt's version. <laughs> Some of you have no idea what that means. But anyway, these steps. Once you get past those, we, we talked about a few last week. These are kind of the next steps that are a part of the 12 steps. We, did a, we, we searched within and we took an inventory of ourselves. This is such a powerful thing. It's to take time to do an inventory and look within your heart and your soul and your, your mind and your habits and to admit our wrongs. To be honest about what it is in my life that is wrong. And then we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. It's interesting, the 12 steps, they're so biblical. Like there's such biblical truth tucked into them and they're powerful. So I wanna give us, um, and then I promise I'm gonna land the plane. <laughs> I wanna give us a, a prayer for this week. And I wanna encourage you to use this every single day. And in fact, if you have the journals, you're gonna work through this, this prayer all week long. This is gonna be what you're working through. And um, let me encourage you to do this. If you don't know what to write in the spaces, like this week, there's, there's these, um, oh, I worked ahead, sorry. I'm trying to get some open, oh, there we go. So there's these open spaces on each, on each page if you don't know what to write there, um, write out the prayer that I'm going to give you with your weak hand. Now, no, you're, you're laughing, but I'm serious. Write it out with your weak hand. Why? To be reminded that when you are weak, God will be strong. So here's the prayer. It's from Psalm chapter 51. It's one of the most beautiful prayers of of confession and repentance. David says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Um, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Now, David had been confronted by, by Nathan about some sin in his life. And he goes on, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal or a right spirit within me. And David, near the end of this psalm, says, the sacrifice that you desire, God, is a broken spirit. It, it's honesty. It's truth-telling. And it's repentance. That's what God wants. Because when we repent, when we're honest and upfront about whatever it is that we're we're wrecked by, that we're taunted by, when we're honest about those things, we open ourselves to cooperate with God's Spirit. So these are the same that were up here last week. I just added a couple little things um, to the side of them. Um, these are some things to think about as you walk this out in your life. Name your giant. So be honest and humble. Just name your, with, between you and God, just between you and God, just name your giant. What is it for you? And then fix your mind on God's power in his presence because he is powerful and he is present with you. He will not leave you alone in the battle. And then cooperate with the Spirit's work. Like as you sense the Spirit moving you, just cooperate. Go in the direction 
that the Spirit gives you. And here's the deal, I, and I believe this with everything that I am, that in the moments of temptation that we all face, in the battles that we all face each and every day, that if our mind can just fixate on, on God, if we can just open, even if we just crack the door open, his, his light will flood the room and he will give us a way out of that temptation. When we are weak, he is strong. In our weakness, God's power is made complete. Man, I love that. I love those promises that even when we don't know where to go or what to do, like God says, I'll show up there. Just, just be honest. Just humble yourself. Um, if you'll stand with me, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna have just a moment of worship and there's the prayer wall in the back if you wanna you know, write a prayer or a confession, use that space for whatever you need it to be. There's candles on the side of the room. Light represents God's presence and so maybe you feel very disconnected from God and maybe you just wanna light a candle and say, God, I need your light within my life. There's some darkness deep within me and I just need your light. There's communion in the back of the room uh, or in the, right behind this first section. Maybe you just need to be reminded of how much God loves you and the sacrifice of Jesus is a reminder. Uh, the, the bread which represents his body which was broken, the cup which represents his blood which was poured out for you. Take that and remember that there is now no condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for the victory that you bring to us, not because of our strength, but even in our weakness. God, may we be honest. May we humble ourselves before you. And in that honesty and humility, may your strength, may, may your strength guide us to write a new story. In Jesus' name.